0: to communicate in the languages of love. You can love with the language of touch. You can love with the language of giving. You can love with the language of the word. And you can love with the language of doing. When I was growing up, we had our dinners in the dining room of a New England salt box house built in 1670. And like much of the rest of the house, the dining room was entirely all in wood, nearly blackened with age. You come in and the wide floorboards were just worn smooth with centuries of use and glowed under the layers of boiled linseed oil. And low overhead were the ads hewn beams that supported the second creaking second floor. And wrapping around the walls, the wainscoting reached floor to ceiling high. And on those walls danced the shadows of the family of six eating by candlelight. And behind my father, in the darkness in the shadow, he could just make out a painting by the light of the fire in the hearth. And this painting was a portrait of a forgotten ancestor all dressed in black and was this in the in the flickering violet you could see this this little shimmer of a face almost like a a, um, a ghost but every time my father that ghost would be watching us our us eating and watching for our manners every time that my, bo- my father bent down to carve the meat. My father was a self-made man. He had started up his own business of, make, of translating books to third world countries. And when he retired, his company had spread out to 30 other countries. It was his way of fighting fascism, For when he was a boy of 12 years old, World War had given enough reason for this passion. My father was a was a frightening Charles Dickens character. He had a barrel chested man, very composed. But to this day I've never seen anybody so enchi- entirely clueless around little children. <laughs> that he decided they to be disciplined from day one. <laughs> I've never heard him say I love you to anyone. Maybe the closest I heard it was towards the end of his life when I heard him say over the telephone to me, give my love to your family and keep some for yourself. Mm-hmm. His humor was subtly hidden for those who listened. God <clears throat> was also incapable of any affection any affection he got, he would just quickly shrug it off. And if he wasn't wearing his glasses, he had them hanging on his chest, even when he came back home after a long trip. And that way, we boys could never really hug him without fear of breaking those glasses. Perhaps I carried his code that children were meant to be seen not heard too close to my heart. I never became comfortable with the free use of words. So I became, expressed myself through my hands, and making things, and fixing, and painting, and drawing, and sculpting. And through these mediums, I found that the word was not always the only way to express something. For in my view, it seemed, in my view it seemed that it wasn't the word, it was what you did. About told the truth of things. Later on, my father tried to draw me out of my quietness, and he, but already it was too late. The, The rebellion of the teenage years had separated us, and I kept my protective distance for the following years, and the generational misunderstanding carried on but all through those decades, my father seemed to know where I was, and he would hand me a book, and time and time again, he would reach me. He also tried to reach me through the spoken word, but already the footprint of the, the footprint of the formative years had been made, and I was comfortable with being quiet. Just a few years back, there was a double concussion of deaths in the family, and then my father, too, was, his life was descending to a close. And something shifted in me the importance of resolving. And it was as if I was sprinting to catch the train, Mm -hmm. to connect, to understand. Mm -hmm. And four times I crossed the country to to be with my father for up to two two to three weeks at a time. And I was always overlapping with my remaining brothers and loved ones and a living nurse so that there was always somebody there and the care would be continual and the transition gentle. Toward the end, my father was in the hospital more than at home. And my brother was out from D.C. again for the night. And he and I were now walking 114-pound father through the hospital hallways. And you could hear the shuffling staccato of his toenails clucking against the hospital floors. And my brother looks at him and he says, Dad, your toenails would make a werewolf jealous. (laughs) 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 My dad
1: says,
0: I know there's nothing I can do about it. I can't even reach my toes anymore. I can't get anybody to, any nurse around here who'll cut them and if I put socks on, I'll just make holes. Indeed, his toenail is something else. They were more like claws arching there, cracked and chipped blunt ends to clack against the hospital floors as we moved back to the den of his room. A few days later, I went in to visit my dad, and an awkward conversation touched on regrets and sorrows that he had. And so quickly, I told him a story that a friend of mine had the opportunity of meeting the Dalai Lama. And the Dalai Lama had told him, you Westerners are always beating yourself over the head. You're always saying, I should have done this, or I could have done that. Or maybe I should have done, but we in the East, we just say, it just is. And I told my dad that when I heard that story, I felt an enormous relief. And the tiniest of smiles washed over my father's face as he closed his eyes. And that smile was there long after he fell asleep. A week later, I picked up my other brother coming in from Ireland and we went to visit dad in the hospital and from his bed. He was facing west on a big bay view window. And from his angle he couldn't see the unremarkable silhouette of skyline. But he could see these stunning, billowing clouds racing from the sunset. And on the windowsill there was this bright red apple next to a vase of lilacs that we bought from home. I took that apple down and cut a slice. And Dad's hand came down the moment I was gonna give it to him. When I was gonna cut the wax skin off. But I cut another slice, I gave it to him as is, and I cut another slice and gave it to my brother and cut one more slice for me. When I heard Dad say, How beautiful. And that apple disappeared, and slow slice by shared slice, under the gift of those gentle words that recognize the passing of the moment, so simple and so rich at the twilight of another day. As we were leaving, I told my brother about the observation of Dad's toenails. And we got into this humorous discussion, which Dad quickly cut off short by saying, there are two kinds of people in this world. There are those who will cut the other man's toenails, and there are those who won't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> At home, I looked to
0: the side table by the wood stove and found my mom's Arsenal of manicure equipment and took some of the heavy duty tools of the
1: trade. <laughs>
0: in the morning my brother went to visit Dad while I got ready to go back to Oregon to visit my family. And that evening <coughs> I went again. And I told Dad, I'll cut your toenails. And he nodded and pulled the seat off his feet. And I hesitated because I saw those <laughs> smoke yellow claws curling at me from the bone and thin, white, pale feet. And then I went at them with big toenail clippers. And I found that the jaws of the clippers wouldn't even go around any of those claws. <laughs> so I quickly switched over of these shears that you might even consider pr- pruning roses with. <laughs> and with a <the> sculptor's sensitivity, <laughs> I started snipping away, paying special attention to the, roots, the pink roots of nerve that were growing through the fine, crumbling s- sediment that was underneath <laughs> the curling armor. And with disgusted fascination, I was sniffing away through these exploding clouds of white powder.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and the yellow
0: corn snow crumbles. And the mistletoe personnel was just flying across the room, hitting, above, hitting up the far wall the a satisfactory flat.
1: <laughs>
0: and when I was done, I wiped the bed sheet free and looked down at the floor. For all I knew. I could have been at the local movie theater watching <laughs> the, the credits coming up. But the floor was just entirely covered with popcorn-like toenails. <laughs> and my clothes were covered, and my shirt, and I leaped up, and I brushed myself off, and I went over to the mirror and just started to toenails on And my eyebrows, and I looked over, and there's Dad. And he's got a glimmer of humor in his eyes, and he nods his head once. In gratitude. Oh. And as I was leaving that night, I said, I don't think I can ever eat popcorn again.
1: <laughs> without thinking about
0: your toenails.
1: <laughs>
0: and he closed, he smiled. He closed his eyes to the darkness and cinema theater floor of his room. That moment was perhaps the most I had ever touched my father. (laughs) (laughs) The next day, I was going to the airport, and I stopped in. And I said, how are your toenails? my dad said, I don't know. I haven't even looked at them yet. I said, well, at least I got them done. And my dad looked straight at me, and he said, It may be all that you can do for me. And I knew then that the silence of the doctors in those past days was bad. And knowing that I may never have another chance, I said, I want you to know that I'm enormously proud to have you as my papa. And he shrugged and said, what? (laughs) And I knew then that this was probably the only time I could ever say, I love you, in a language that my father could understand. And so, Joach, I repeat it. I want you to know that I'm enormously proud to have you as my papa. And he closed his eyes to the flood of one tear. <laughs> and he fell asleep into the comfort of those words. And I sat there watching him, and thinking of all these collective moments that I've had with my father, that he was a master of subtleties, who was a huge vessel of emotions. Like a large, precious, Rough-coated, salt-fired, ceramic bays of the tiniest of openings at the top, too afraid to ever pour. The long goodbye at times was incredibly beautiful to me, but at such a heavy price. Incrementally spaced between the descending steps of those days, were moments that burned with lifetimes, some of them completing circles, some of them splicing with time to take wing like a caged bird finally freed, some of them waiting to be understood during the slow, healing at the curve of our lives as shaped by and some of them remaining as stones left unturned. In that last year with my father, we talked more than we ever had using so few words that cover the decades. He told me I am 86 now, and I have only just begun to learn to communicate. It was as if my entire body was humming on tiptoes of sensitivity, so, so open to what remaining gifts Mm -hmm. of life there was. And in the end, I knew that I had caught the train in connection with my father just before he died, and then he was gone.